Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. You are locked in. We are locked in for another episode of In the Lab with Hoopsology. I am one of your co-hosts, Matt Thomas, joined as always by my best friend and co-host, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? Doing really well. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing well. It's a busy start of the year. Feels a little bit busier than normal for me, yeah, but me enjoying <laughs> the cold here. There's been a lot of snow in Albuquerque like in the 20s this morning so pretty pretty chilly for new mexico standards i have a question that that i've just always kind of wondered from you and thought it would be fun as kind of like yeah. an icebreaker before we get into our topics here sure. what's your favorite type of in-game dunk um to me it's the poster um i just think that's usually with a defender compared to, you know, like anywhere else. There's a, it's like a breakaway. No one's there. Like, I don't know. I think it kind of jaded with dunks, especially since of social media guys are doing flips mm. and we've interviewed Jordan Kilcannon who you can pretty much do any dunk imaginable. Um, I think a poster dunk, it can change the momentum of a game as well. So it has the most effect compared to you just hit a 360. Like it's great and all, but I don't know how it's going to affect the game. I might piss off the other team, if anything. But I think a, a poster can really, really adjust the momentum. So that's probably my favorite dunk. That's true, yeah. And, you know, it's it's not every single game that you see a nice poster. So yeah, that's true. It's good to see. Yeah, it's hard to argue against that, especially since you have the, the competitive nature of that too, bodying against someone. I will say, for whatever reason, it always just kind of – hits me different when players do reverse dunks in game. So I'm talking like, Those are cool. you know, like facing and, and the ball, they dunk it back behind their head into the rim. And yeah. if it happens on like an alley-oop, then that's, I don't know, that does it for me for whatever reason that brings me out of my seat. <laughs> so we've got a lot to discuss today. A lot has been going on in the NBA as per usual around this time of year. We're going to be talking about Draymond Green. We're going to be talking about John Morant. We're going to be talking about the Lakers and LeBron and what's going down all around in LA. Before we do that, I want to remind you that you can check out Hoopsology Pod anywhere you're doing social media. Make sure you give us a follow. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, Hoopsology Podcast. And check our back library for a bunch of great interview content and a lot of evergreen stuff there. As always, we thank you for supporting the show. So, Justin, let's dive right in to our first major topic here. And you see it there. Quote, I was wrong. Draymond Green recently released an episode. We'll talk about that. But... Listeners, you probably remember we discussed Draymond Green hitting Nurkic during uh, Warrior Suns game, kind of like did this sort of spinning back forearm palm type of thing that, you know, looked pretty painful to take. And I was surprised there wasn't um, a bigger injury for uh, Nurkic, he's got a strong chin, so give the man credit. But <laughs> Draymond gets suspended after this. We get this messaging that this is going to be, you know, similar to a John Morant type of situation where there's going to need to be 
some rehabilitation done, you know, kind of gives you vibes of that Kyrie suspension that went down last year after that controversy that I'm sure you all remember. So I guess where I want to lead off with here is when push comes to shove, we got a 12 game suspension from Draymond. He didn't play in their most recent game against the Raptors, but that was a coach's decision to recondition him. So 12 game suspension and Draymond is back. How do you feel about just everything I mentioned there in that sort of timeline? So um, I'll keep my thoughts brief because my, my thoughts on this is more what I heard on the podcast um, regarding the suspension. I would have thought it could have been more just based on his track record, but it's kind of linked into what he said on the podcast. So um, I'll kind of save that for later. But to me, I personally think it's a bit too soon just based on his previous track record, but I, I'll kind of go into why I can see the reasoning for the commissioner giving him leniency to come back this early. Understood. Yeah. So we, we had this report drop about Draymond contemplating retirement. We had report of Steve Kerr meeting with Draymond and I guess they shared a good cry together. Um, Without further ado, let me play some of the audio here from Draymond's podcast. And then I want some more of your thoughts on, on this, Justin. Yeah. So here's from the Draymond Green show. I had a conversation with Adam Silver, commissioner of our league. I just told him, Adam, it's too much for me. Like, this is too much. It's all becoming too much for me. And I'm going to retire. And Adam said, ah, you're making a very rash decision. And I won't let you do that. You know, we had a long, great conversation. Very helpful to me. Very thankful uh, to play in a league with a commissioner like Adam, uh, who's more about helping you than hurting you or helping you than punishing you or, you know, he's more about the players. All right. So there's from the Draymond Green show, which you can check out if you want to hear that, that full episode. Interesting here, very complimentary to Adam Silver. You know, this is also tied in with potentially like a reduced suspension. So there's a a little bit maybe weirdness there, but also good to hear that the commissioner cares about the players. I think that's been understood and well-documented for a while now. So I'm not too surprised to hear that, but good to see that and that it was a helpful conversation for Draymond where I'm torn on this is we have so many repeat offenses. I I don't think Draymond should be kicked out of the league for this. Certainly even with the multiple offenses and things like that. I, I do just genuinely wonder, you know, two things. Is there truly remorse on Draymond's part? Like, are we going to see a different Draymond green? The man is 33 years old, has been in this league for quite some time. And usually players don't, radically change their tendencies, you know, that late in the game. Um, But maybe he can adapt and and we hope so. And the other thing too, which Justin, you can touch on more. I mean, how do you feel if you're, if you're Nurkic or if you are uh, Gobert, who (laughs) was the victim of the chokehold earlier this year that Draymond put on him? Um, 
So I don't know. Give me some more details about what you heard and, and your thoughts on coming from that podcast. I'll answer your second question first. Sure. <laughs> I think they don't feel any sympathy for him at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're the victims of it. And and and, they, and if I was in their position, I wouldn't feel any sympathy either. This guy is a repeat offender. At the same time, listening to this podcast. So my thoughts are kind of twofold. Um, one, I do think if I'm at this, I think this is the shorter part of what I'm going to say in terms of his leash and how it should be handled in the future. I would say if he commits one more strike, you could see you suspend him half the season. Like I just think some kind of major suspension. I mean, this, he has a mm. track record of repeat offenses. It needs to be some kind of hammer drop pretty severely. So and that'd be kind David. of like three strikes. You're out. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think she should be out of the league. Right. Right. But right. I think there's like you were saying, I agree with you, but I think there should be a substantial suspension. Um, now on the other side of it, I think Draymond is going through some issues right now. It kind of reminds me, and excuse me if you guys hate the sport, but some fighters go through with MMA. Like I see it kind of with like the Diaz brothers in terms of they enjoy parts of the sport, but like other aspects brings the worst out of them. And that's what Draymond said. He said like when he plays on the court, uh, the worst parts of his personality comes out. And when he's off the court, he's very shy, introverted. If he doesn't feel comfortable with you, he's not going to speak. And I think with these incidents, I think it's taken a toll on him. And I think he can't quite understand where he's talked about this, where the line is. Like he plays, his identity is playing all the way up to that line. And sometimes he steps over this, steps over the line. I think he's been cool with that in the past. But I think he recognized that this is hurting his team. It's hurting himself and it's hurting his legacy. Um, one thing that stand out is that I think he said might be might be incorrect how I'm remembering this, but he spent time in his man cave, and I don't think he like spoke to his kids for like a bit. I don't think I think I think he said that he didn't. He, I think he said that his kids didn't know that he was home, that mm. his kids thought he was still playing, and that you know I think his daughter saw him or got word that he was at home, and that's how his daughter knew that he was not playing games he was suspended and i think for him it's one of those aspects where he says all these ventures and i'm wondering why is he playing this game i mean as a human being why is what is bringing him joy if he cannot find a balance between not passing that line is his identity always pat going over the line i don't think it is i think his best play is i would say you know, his rebounding, um, just his energy he brings on the floor. And I think there's a way of being competitive and not hurting people. So, because mm-hmm. to me, I, I take a look at somebody like Dennis Rodman, right? Like, I can't remember Dennis Rodman. Like, he pushed, like, he got tangled up with Carl Malone. Like, yeah. I mean, I can't really remember a ton of, like, you know, different incidents incidents like Draymond Green as well as like somebody like Rasheed more Wallace. theatrics yeah more theatrics yeah and so to me it's like with Draymond he's he's hurting people and he ultimately he's hurting his team I mean look what happened you know in the NBA finals with him and LeBron so I think it's one of these assies he talked about this too where he had some kind of business deal and a deal was about to go about to happen but the incident happened um and it, it totally just screwed up that business deal so I think for him, you know, he has, I guess, all these businesses. He is a television personality. I think he's the heir apparent to replace Charles Barkley. 
I don't think Charles Barkley wants to be on TV forever. <laughs> I think he wants to go off and gamble, play golf, eventually not have a job. Um, and I think Draymond Green is the heir apparent to that seat whenever Charles Barkley wants to leave. And so I think in terms of playing basketball, I don't, I was waiting for him to kind of go into this. He didn't. It's like, what is the enjoyment out of this? Like mm. he's won the championships. He's got the acclaim. I would say hall of fame. He's borderline. And I think, I don't think he gets in, but nevertheless, I think he, he's, he gets, you know, his Jersey easily retired, you know, in golden state. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder where's the joy. Like what is really the point right now? I mean, the warriors are kind of out of it. Um, I don't see them being a contender to win again. Like what is fueling his desire on the court is bringing him this much, this much misery. I mean, yeah. If you're thinking about retiring, I think that might be a sign to retire, unfortunately. And I don't think that's bad. I think that might be the best thing for his mental health. Um, so I do hmm. think he's remorseful. Hmm. I do think he's genuine. I do think he feels bad what happened with these previous incidents. I think he lets his I think that raw intensity is a positive, but also a curse as well. And sure. I think he needs to come to terms with where he wants to go next with his career. And if, you know, if I was his friend, I just unsolicited advice. I would just advise him to just retire this season, to be honest, um, just in terms of him, Draymond Green, the human being. Hmm. Yeah, it is nice that he has already paved a way for that media career, like you mentioned. So there's kind of like a safety net for him to fall into if he wants it. I'm sure they would sign him in a heartbeat you know, to a bigger yeah. role there, even if Charles Barkley isn't moving out of the way right away. Yeah, he um, I, I think what's interesting about this too, it, it, this is kind of, you know, 2022 was an unexpected title for the Warriors. There's a lot of elation there. And then you have immediately kind of two big downer years, obviously with the punch incident with Jordan Poole, arguably the worst sort of um, season that we've seen under Draymond Green. I mean, there there was certainly a moment where I think maybe even if he won't say it, maybe he was a little bit embarrassed about costing the Warriors the title, you could argue, when the Cavaliers beat them way back in 2016. But we're seeing these new developments for Draymond, and, and this is kind of a new place for this Warriors core to be together as a whole, too. And you're seeing events unfold where it's looking like Draymond is going to be the scapegoat if and when it seems like the wheels are really falling off. And and even we've said on this show that we don't really, unfortunately, have any more faith in the Warriors in terms of a title threat this year. We'll see, obviously, if they can turn things around. But you wonder where that's going, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah. No, it's true. I think it's going to be a point of reckoning and you know it's rare in this age of the nba where you have a coach attached to their players i think when i look at the san antonio spurs right um with pop and with tim duncan ginobili tony parker that was kind of ugly in terms of how that went down in terms of tony parker i think he got what you got traded right um i don't think he finished his career in san antonio and then just charlotte how that team really i mean it was supposed to transition to the Kawhi era and just how that went down um, and I, I think the Warriors are kind of a team of a bygone era in terms of you have a core that stays together for such a super long time and they, you know, 
it's weird when eventually it kind of like everybody has to go their separate ways. It's, you know, it's kind of like rare a lot. and pretty. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody moves away. Like everybody grows up and everybody kind of goes their separate ways eventually. And I think with the warriors, that's something they're going to have to do. I mean, they have cut it. I think they've accomplished everything that they could. I don't think there's not like they've left. I mean, just besides that one title opportunity, they still, I think have had a great legacy within this league that will never be forgotten. So I think that's up to the front office and to Steve Kerr to really take his emotions out of it. It really makes some tough decisions with not only Draymond, but also Clay Thompson too. Yep, absolutely. And it seems like we will see a lot of dominoes fall yeah. potentially this off season. You'd assume if um, big moves and big changes don't happen by the time of the trade deadline. Yeah. And like we've said before, I just don't really know where they can pivot to at this point. You know, there are rumors about like Pascal Siakam, um, but I'm not sure how much they're going to get for Kaminga. If he's the, the young trade pick, you know, who has voiced his own frustrations. Yeah, that's so, another issues too. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of stuff going there as always, we will keep an eye on that and more. Let's go ahead and move into our next point here. And it's really, you know, I don't have a ton to say in terms of analysis on this. It's just kind of a bummer that we have to share that John Morant will undergo season-ending surgery following a tear in his labrum on his right shoulder. And so he'll miss roughly five months of time with that surgery. Now, the good news is, and shout out to Jeff Stotts, who is a friend of the show we've had on before. Yeah. He says, uh, and I'll, I'll just read directly off his tweet here, sure. regarding John Morant, average time lost following labrum repair is about 156 days, 20 weeks, and or about five months. But the surgery comes with a high success rate. Other players to undergo labrum surgery include Jalen Brunson, Pascal Siakam, and Paul George. More info at Jeff Stott's website, which you can check out. And I'm happy to plug instreetclothes.com. He does great work there. Uh, so shout out to Jeff for sure. Um, so a bummer. And you would have to assume at this point, right, Justin, that the Warriors are probably, or I'm sorry, <laughs> the Grizzlies are probably, you know, kind of having a built-in tanking season now moving forward. You've got both John Morant for one thing and Steven Adams out now. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, like yourself, not much to, to say. Very unfortunate. Hopefully we don't see another incident. I mean, Josh going to have a lot of time on his hands, um, not being with the, the Grizzlies other than rehabilitation. So hopefully we just don't hear anything about him. He's, he's rehabilitating. <laughs> and I think the only, hopefully the news we hear about him is he's, he's releasing a new shoe or something with Nike. So, um, hopefully, he, he gets you a full recovery, but I agree with you. Yeah, the Grizzlies are done, and they're going to tank. It's unfortunate because they were rising with him in the lineup, but there there's a lot of them, and now that's gone. Yep, 100% agree. And, yeah, it's an interesting point, too. I mean, you know what they say about idle hands, and he's going to have a lot of free time on his hand while he – you know, rehabs this and, and gets better. So certainly wishing John Morant and that franchise the best. Justin, another topic to go through as we move forward here in our list of major topics this week. What's going on in LA? There have been projections based on 
basketball reference that say the Lakers have a 12% chance of making the playoffs at this point in time. It's still early. And we all saw what happened last year when they switched gears and they're not in as bad of a situation (laughs) as they were in last year in terms of record at this point of the season. But I guess you do wonder what's going on in LA and it doesn't help when we have sound bites like this that maybe are just compliments pure purely complimentary intentions here i don't know if i buy that but let's listen to lebron james talking about the clippers recent success is the james Harden clippers no it's the t lou clippers (laughs) i know t lou very well don't take t lou long to get make sure shit get right took him five games and they've been cooking since Thanks, everyone. So media member, if you couldn't catch all that, says, you know, any thoughts about the James Harden Clippers since they've been hotter lately and winning more games lately, climbing in the standings. And LeBron says, oh, you mean the T. Lou Clippers? Trust me, I know T. Lou. And basically gives a nod to his former coach who listeners i'm sure you remember he won the title with in 2016 in cleveland with t lou at the at the helms there um so what do you make it as far as this i mean this this quote drops at the same time we're hearing reports that darvin ham is on the hot seat for the la lakers so what do you what do you make of this I know a lot of people look into different comments. I don't. I don't know. I just thought he was giving T. Lou props. I think that's separate. I think it, that the press conference where he was talking, you know, the whole thing through the whole Ricky Ruby controversy, uh, Rubio controversy, I think that was more of a concern <laughs> about how he feels about L.A., to be honest, with his frustration um, mm. besides this. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just not taking it super serious. In my mind, he's just praising Lou, but. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm missing something here. I'm sure. This, I mean, people, because a bunch of conspiracy theorists, or just people that just maybe are just seeing something that I'm not seeing, um, that that's quite possible. But to me, I'm like, he's just praising his former coach. Yeah, the narrative's been going around for a while that basically there's been clamoring that we need more help in LA. We've talked about, you know, kind of inflexibility and potential for them to make a deal. But one thing that, that I also saw today that I wanted to, to bring up and um, is an interesting kind of counterpoint coming from Lakers management. And this drops from Brian Windhorse, who we know is, is close with LeBron. I mean, one of LeBron's closest media confidants, I, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say. Uh, so you assume that this is coming from management has, has told him, I don't know if it's Rob Palenka or otherwise, but Mm -hmm. it says, quote, the Lakers don't want to have to make a big move. They prefer to retain their depth and the one last first rounder they're allowed to trade. They believe in the formula they have, which is a cadre of long defenders supporting future hall of famers. Basically, you know, TLDR, (laughs) we've got enough talent go get the job done LeBron and company and LeBron and AD specifically with the mention of future hall of famers there. So is it reasonable to expect 
things to just change on a dime here? And do you think that Darwin, it's fair for Darvin Ham to be on the hot seat at this point with the short amount of time that you could argue that he's had? You can tackle either one of those questions you you would like, Justin. Yeah. Well, I think what people are missing is that we're in a new age of the year. If I'm wrong, if people in the comments, you want to check me on this. But it just seems like the era of having these like power Western Conference teams where it's just like five teams just destroying the West, the rest of the conference is over. I mean, take a look at the at the standings. That the Lakers are 10th. I mean, they're one game below 500. They're right behind the Suns, the Rockets. Um, they're a little bit behind the Pelicans, but it's not insurmountable. Like you take a look at this. It's just not like insanity here. Like other than I would say like maybe the fourth seed, like things could happen pretty easily to tip the favor here. Um, but at the same time, I do think with the Lakers, something is clearly broken with this team. In my opinion, when you have LeBron and AD playing at such a high level and right. not injured and they're at this level. So clearly something is clearly wrong here. And the scapegoat is the coach. Now who's available I don't know off the top of my head. And that's a very huge task to take the team over. At the same time, if you're going to fire the coach, it's kind of the time to do I mean, it's before MLK Day. You have the All-Star break. And then you kind of ramp up for the second half of the season. So either you stick with Ham now and just get rid of him when the season's over, or you, this is kind of the time to do it. I mean, you got the games to have continuity. you got the All-Star break just to reset and recharge. I mean, um, in the standings, the Lakers, they're in that, what, play-in tournament position to 10th seed. So it's not impossible. I mean, on a, without a play-in tournament, they'd be out of it. But now with, with the play-in tournament, they're, you know, they're knocking on the door here. So I think – I don't know if coaching's the issue with this team. I just think it's a roster construction issue. It's weird because last year they made those trades and then they're off to the races. So – yeah, I think it's a it's a huge issue. But, you know, if you're a Lakers fan, if you're just in that organization, you take a look at what happened last year, I wouldn't say it's hopeless, but I think there needs to be a change. And I don't know if a trade's going to really help them in the end, but especially because your top two players are playing at such an elite level. So, Yeah, and that's the concerning thing to me. I mean, I think you can't expect LeBron to be – even as good as he's been this season, you can't yeah. expect that for the whole season at sure. his age. And so we're in this weird spot where you've got, you know, certainly LeBron on the max, which he, he wouldn't be expected to take less money, but I think also, you know, LeBron can't contribute as, as much as he used to on the defensively end of the floor. And I feel like there's just kind of, I, I said it at the beginning of the season, I'm, I'm not very high on the Lakers and what they can do. Yeah. I know they finished the year hot last year, but then they got swept by the Nuggets. They did. And I think they got kind of exposed there. And what you mentioned is, is what's most concerning to me is that they do have great play for LeBron, uh, especially given, you know, he's in year 21. And then great play from AD and also attendance from AD. Like he's, he's been around for yes. just about every game this season. So I just feel like the answer is you don't have enough with those two, but I don't think 
I, I mean, trading for Zach Levine, like we talked about last week, doesn't do anything for me, uh, for this team me <laughs> and increasing their hopes. So you to tell me, me it that. just feels like they're just kind of stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. in a stuck position, we're going to continue to see this battle kind of behind the scenes and then more public, even if LeBron's comments about T. Lou weren't in any way intended as a slide on Darvin Ham or anything like that. Um, I, you're going to have this continual battle and maybe some of it's going to be public with the way things have operated in the past here between Lakers front office and LeBron. And I'm curious to see how that breaks because you don't anticipate LeBron leaving this franchise either. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, do you think with the Lakers and lesser extent, the Knicks, it seems like, you know, over the years, credit from wrong, that their philosophy is less through building through the draft and just getting quality free agents just due to how much money they got. Do you think, even though they won the title back during the pandemic, do you think that's kind of like outdated? Do you think this will always be the Lakers philosophy as long as, you know, Palenka and Jeannie Buss are just running the show here? Or do you think, you know, it's maybe time to just move a different philosophy? Um and especially it's LA. So I can't imagine players just leaving just because it's the Lakers. Um, is this really kind of the, the way they want to go still is just to get, you know, free agents and just hope they come to the Lakers. Is that really a, just, you're just going to stick with this philosophy forever. Well, given that, you know, I, I agree. You can't always look to the past, but given this is one of the most successful for, sports sure. franchises ever, it is. It true. certainly has worked with them it up has. to this point. Yeah. Your point about the bubble title, I think it may have inflated how strong of a pairing LeBron and AD are mm-hmm. and the the fit of that team. I mean, honestly, if you're trying to be as objective as possible about it, if you look at like the strength of schedule that that team faced in the bubble, they got a lot of lucky breaks. I I'm not one of those that's going to say like, this doesn't count as a ring or anything like that. No, you win the games that are in front of you. Those games were in front of them. They won them. But I do think what you can say from it is that it maybe inflated the perception of how good this Lakers squad actually was. And we saw that they got overconfident and they really kind of retooled that roster and messed up the chemistry of the team the very next season. And it hasn't been the same since. That's true. Yeah. And that's part of the reason. I I mean, they Westbrook served as the scapegoat last season and (laughs) he's not around anymore to be that scapegoat. And so you're seeing, Darvin Ham being the scapegoat, which, you know, tale as old as time. Coaches always end up being the scapegoat. Yep. And unfortunately, it, it does happen a lot in the history of LeBron James-led teams, Coach Spolstra being like a rare exception of a lot of stability there. And then, of course, Mike Brown was uh, LeBron's coach for a while there when when he was still young, kind of before he had unlocked his full powers uh, towards the end of his reign there in Cleveland. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. I co-sign that. I mean, like you said, it's hard to argue just their history just based on their their legacy in the league. But I just, I wonder, just, you know, you see just the thunder, you know, you see even, you know, somewhat with Philadelphia a little bit, just, you know, Sacramento, just like those legacy players, even Golden State, 
you know, that was built through the draft and just having that legacy as opposed to just putting it together for just a run. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just feel that I might be fairly antiquated in that way, but I don't know. Yeah. And now, you know, going back to what you said earlier, if the Lakers won, you know, went on like an eight game win streak, the Western conference is pretty tight. Now it looks quite a bit different if that happens, but it's, it's tough to imagine, like you said, that four seed Mark or even the five seed Mark where it stands right now, tough to imagine those teams totally falling off of a cliff cliff as much as you and I haven't bought into the Clippers chances in, in terms of a title. And we've talked to some smart people who have kind of made good rationale for that as well. But yeah, we have, um, I think a shift of perception in the Western conference that you alluded to earlier and the Phoenix suns are also feeling that now too, because they are quite a bit lower in the standings. We talked about KD's frustrations last week that seems to kind of continue. They um, got routed the other night and they had all three of their stars in. So that's a developing situation to look at there as well, but not really sure with both the Lakers and the Suns what they can do in terms of the trade deadline as it stands. No, it's true. Yeah, it's going to be tough. That's for sure. We are wrapping up. We have a lot of great interviews in the bank that uh, we are looking forward to releasing for you and stuff that has has just been really recently recorded. That's going to be great. So we will go ahead and sign out for now. Thank you as always for your support and for listening to the show. This has been in the lab with Hoopsology. He's Justin Goodrum. I'm Matt Thomas. Peace out. See you later. Thank you for listening to Hoopsology presented by Boss Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.